0: Rabbi Manus Friedman is a social philosopher and public speaker. He is the author of Doesn't Anyone Blush Anymore, which was published in 1990 and is currently in its fourth printing. Known as YouTube's most popular rabbi, Rabbi Friedman uses ancient Jewish wisdom and modern wit to affect the lives of millions across the globe through social media live lectures, and one-on-one counselling. Rabbi Friedman was also featured in the documentary films The Lost Key in 2014, The Jewish Journey America 2015, and Patterns of Evidences in 2017. Rabbi, it is an absolute honour to have you here on the Modern Warrior Podcast. I came across your page some time ago, and once I listened to a few of your videos, I knew that I had to make this happen. You uh, seem to be on a mission to help solve, as you've put it in your own words, help solve the modern problems with ancient wisdom. And my first question to you would be, what do you identify as some of those modern problems that many men specifically are faced with today?
1: Uh, Yeah, getting right to the heart of the issue with no mercy at all. (laughs) Great. Well, the biggest problem is um, the loss of masculinity. Feeling emasculated way, way too many people. Viagra is making a fortune on this disaster. And of course relationships are suffering, marriages are suffering. So if we want to really understand the issue, the male ego is very fragile, more fragile than the female. The woman may be physically fragile, more fragile than men, but men are much more uh, psychologically or psychically uh, vulnerable and, and fragile. You can emasculate someone so easily. So, so somebody approaches me just out of the... and he comes over and says, I, "Can I ask you a question?" I'm curious, do you sleep with the beard under the blanket or with your beard above the blanket? I thought that was really funny and cute. But I couldn't sleep for a week. I became self-conscious, right? And now all of a sudden I couldn't sleep. I tried it this way, tried it that way. when you become self-conscious about a completely natural function, it, it it can it can be so destructive. So you come to a man and you say, So how's your sex life? Good? Good? I I think it's good. How am I supposed to know if it's good? What am I supposed to compare it to? That's it, you've killed him. You've made him self conscious and now he can't function. You just read a magazine, an innocent magazine. 14 ways to improve your love life. I am missing 14 aspects of my love life. We become self-conscious about the most natural processes, and it kills it. So here's, here's what's really going on. If we're to understand the masculine psyche, just, just in terms of the sexual impulses and sexual functions, a man's sexuality is an excitement and an arousal when we are moved to give pleasure. Essentially, the masculine mind is the mind of a giver. I am here to give. And if I can give and be received properly, I am a man. When I start to want to receive, I'm killing myself. If a man gets sexually excited, and it's not about a particular woman that he wants to give to. His sexuality is, is, is not masculine. That's why pornography, getting right to the point, pornography destroys men because it makes you passive. It's giving you a sexual pleasure that is Passive. that is not appropriate for a testosterone-driven human being. Once you start to feel sexually passive, you don't really feel like a man. And the woman you're supposed to be with doesn't feel like she's being given. She feels like she's being used. Now she starts to wonder what's wrong with her. Why doesn't she enjoy this relationship? Because she is slowly becoming the male. She's becoming the aggressor now. She wants to give pleasure when she should be receiving it. He wants to receive pleasure when he should be giving it. And all of this begins, I, I think... In this crazy notion that men and women are the same, need the same things, want the same things, feel the same, yeah, it's so crazy. You can't fool mother nature. I'll come up with these half-baked theories that go against every instinct and against every truth and against every reality. A man's greatest pleasure is that he can give pleasure. A woman's greatest pleasure is that she can receive it into her entire being. That's the key. When men start to feel passive, like, give me pleasure, he's killing himself.
0: How do we begin to turn this around?
1: <clears throat> Every man can find a woman who sees him as a giver and she wants to receive him. It's got to be matched and it's very it's very subjective. A woman can be totally receptive to one man and doesn't feel that way towards another man. A man can be driven aroused and 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 thrilled to give to a certain woman and he's a little hesitant giving to another woman it's got to be matched perfectly her receptivity to his giving that's what a good marriage is the man gives what a woman needs the woman receives him makes him feel like a man, she feels like a woman. It's great. But the pursuit of pure sex destroys it all. If all you want to do is have pleasure, then you're not being male, you're not being female, you're just being a biological creature. Without an identity, chances of finding contentment are very slim.
0: So what happens if you're in a marriage where this is happening? Where the woman is not receiving, the man is not giving?
1: Well, first they have to recognize it. For example... The husband says what do you mean give to my wife I give her everything I give her everything and he reveals the secret he says anything she has ever asked I have given her okay you see you're blowing it she has to ask she's the aggressor she initiates everything you just respond that's feminine. So you're not a giver. you're you're an obedient listener. When she says, "Jump, you jump. That's not being a man. This woman is complaining. I have to do everything. for up to him, we would never go anywhere. we would never do anything, nothing would ever happen. And I don't like having to do everything, as if it's too hard. She's working too hard doing everything. Of course, that's not the problem. So I said to her, well, wait a minute, you're better at that than he is. She says, yeah. I said, so you should be doing it. If you're the more talented one, you know how to to balance a checkbook, well, then you should be doing it. So what are you complaining about? She says, no, I don't want to do it all. I said, I don't understand why. You're good at it. You're doing it well. You're succeeding. Husband is happy to let you do it. What's the problem? She realized the problem is she doesn't see him as a man. And then she turns to her husband and she says, Okay, I've had it. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Let's just get divorced and get it. He says, if that's what you want, then we'll get divorced. She turns to me and says, you see?
0: (laughs) Yes, the obedient listener. (laughs)
1: She says divorce. Okay, if that's what you want. Where's the testosterone?
0: Understanding that uh, the feminine energy can can change significantly in in short spaces of time. Her, what she says is not really what she means, often.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's Look, if a guy a, wants to kill,
0: test. Yeah.
1: If a guy wants to kill his marriage, before it even begins, just come home the first night. After the wedding and say so what do you want to do now that's it you're finished she can't look at you she's disgusted asking her Mm -hmm. not the way it's supposed to be so like you're asking if in a marriage the guy finds himself being passive and she finds herself responsible for everything, they just have to sh- have to switch. <clears throat> he has to take responsibility for everything. He can't ask her, what do you want to do now? He has to tell her what he wants, what he thinks, what should be she wants him to take the the helm. You know? she wants him to hold the reins, so that she can abandon herself to him. That's the female need, the need to completely surrender herself to someone. But she can't do that if you if she can't trust you. Hmm. How can i put myself in your hands when it looks like you don't have any hands so what's a woman supposed to do so she figures okay so i guess i'm gonna have to have the hands and i'm gonna have to take responsibility and she's glad to do that for a while and then she realizes whoa i'm in i'm in the wrong side of the relationship And then she gets angry and she gets frustrated and she doesn't feel like a woman. She doesn't see him as a man. This can't work. Can't work. So the man has to take back the responsibility. He doesn't have to do it all himself. He just has to be responsible. What do you mean by that? If she's been doing the checkbook, she has been dealing with the bank and running running the financial side of, of the of the family. she's doing it voluntarily that's not her that's not her thing it's his thing. she may be better at it so she's doing it. the husband has to empower her. if I have a responsibility, And it turns out that you're better at it than me. So I ask you to do it for me. Am I giving up my responsibility? No, I am being responsible. But if you walk away and say, no, I'm not busy. I can't do it for you. Well, then it's my responsibility to go find somebody else to do it. I can hire a bookkeeper. That's not shirking my responsibility. It's doing what I'm supposed to do efficiently. So if a husband asks his wife to, to run financial affairs, he's not shirking responsibility. He's, what's the word? He's, um, Delegating. Delegating. He's empowering her but he's not putting the burden and responsibility on her. And so she'll gladly do it. She'll do anything for him except take responsibility. Because that is not what she's supposed. You're supposed to relieve her of all responsibilities so that she can be a completely devoted mother and wife. So that's the deal. She'll have the children, she'll raise the children, she'll run the home, if you take all of the responsibilities off her shoulders. So it was never a question of who is more capable. Oh, women can do whatever men can do. This is not a contest. We never doubted women's abilities. But we took all those responsibilities off their shoulder so that they can be a complete woman. So one very successful, uh, high-powered businesswoman once complained to me about how Judaism is always um uh, is always so condescending to women, as if we're always in trouble and we always need help and you got to be really delicate with us. It's insulting. I said, That approach does not apply to you, guaranteed. Nobody is trying to protect you, nobody feels bad for you, nobody is cutting. We're talking about a woman with four children under the age of six. Doesn't she need a little help? For sure. For sure. (laughs) She wants to be a good mother. Well, then take all other distractions and responsibilities off her plate. So the Torah has always been very solicitous of women. Like, what can we do to help? What can we do to help? Why, because they're incapable? No, because they have a commitment that they want to fulfill. And and you gotta you gotta clear the path for them. So take all other responsibilities off a woman and she will take full responsibility for her children, her husband, and the house. Well, now you have a life.
0: You talk about a man taking responsibility. Does it start with him taking responsibility for his own internal pains or insecurities, which deems him irresponsible or deems him with a, de, deems him with a feeling of irresponsibility for his woman and his family that he's ultimately not capable?
1: I got to say something completely radical. Love it. Bring it. And it may trigger some people. Good. <laughs> I like that. Life is not about me. Life is not about my insecurities and my hurt feelings and my opinion of myself. It's not about that at all. If I have a responsibility, I got to take care of it. If I can't do it myself, I got to find some support. Got to find a mentor, a coach, uh, something. Hire a professional to do the job. But I got to see to it that it gets done. There are very few men who are not capable of that. They have, they have their in, insecurities. They have self-doubt, maybe even self-hate. Okay, can you take a break from that and take care of your family? Of course you can. You can. It takes no talent to ask someone to do a job for you. But you're taking responsibility that the job gets done. So you don't have to be a genius, you don't have to be all, all capable and all powerful. You just have to feel responsible. And then you'll do whatever it takes to get it done. I think we put way, way too much attention on the self. Pop psychology is guilty of encouraging this kind of thinking. I got to work on my self image. Don't you dare. You start working on your self image and you're not available to anybody, including yourself. So, as much as possible, we need to put aside all the psycho babble. Validate yourself, love yourself, be good to yourself. Now, don't do that you think about yourself already way too much. You're way too precious to yourself. Say, so, yeah, but I hate myself. Yeah, I guess why? Because you can't stop thinking about yourself. So, a high self-image and a low self-image, exactly the same problem in reverse. Why is it that you're always thinking about yourself? Somebody tells you of a terrible, painful tragedy that they suffered, and your first thought is, oh, it didn't happen to me. Well, what if it happened to me? You can't empathize or sympathize with a person for more than three seconds before switching the subject to yourself. That's why you're depressed. Too much introversion. I have a perfect example for that. A guy is worth $200 billion. There are such people, right? $200 billion. (laughs) Mind-boggling. And you ask the guy, so what are you doing with your money? He says, it's my money. I said, I know. What are you doing with it? He said, it's mine. I'm keeping it. Under your mattress? Yeah. I said, you're crazy. You're a crazy person. And he says, why? It's mine. Mine doesn't mean it's for you. It's there for you to do something with it. Not keep it. Spend it, invest it, donate it, do something. Same is true with speech. I'm I'm very good at communicating. I have a very good vocabulary. I speak very clearly. I express myself very well. So who have you spoken to lately? Oh, I talk to myself. You're crazy. You have the ability to communicate, so you talk to yourself? That's not what speech was created for. That person says, I have so much love I'm a very loving person. I have a lot of love. Yeah, so uh, who are you giving it to? Oh, no, no, I love myself. You're a crazy person. I have a lot of knowledge. I have a lot of information. I understand things very clearly. I mean, I have really a lot of wisdom. So what are you doing with it? It's my wisdom. Nothing we have, and we have it, nothing we have is meant for us. My love is not for me, my knowledge is not for me, my money is not for me, my speech is not for me. What's for me? The obligation to share. Men and women share differently. A man shares by giving himself, a woman shares by receiving you, by nurturing you. So men are the givers, women are the nurturers. You give a woman a house, she turns it into a home. You give a woman a seed, she turns it into a baby. She nurtures. But you got to take some responsibility off her shoulders to let her do her thing. And that's why husbands who say to their wife, so what did you do all day? You do nothing all day. you do none of the things that i'm supposed to do oh that's perfect what if men have, men have to go back to being masculine yeah and and no and no more no more excuses what if we're speaking to a
0: man who's single who's not married yet hasn't got a woman in his life yet how would we guide him along to help him create this, this type of relationship with a with woman? Uh, what does he need to do first?
1: Okay, so first he needs to know what is the definition of a man. The definition of a man is someone who is sensitive to a woman's hunger and has the confidence that he could give what she needs. That's a man. A man is not a taker. You see a beautiful woman and you want to have her. That's not masculine. That's barbarian. Masculine means you have a keen sense of a woman's hunger and need, and you feel like you can provide what she needs, not what you want her to have.
0: How how can they sense this? Is this something that can be cultivated over a period of time, some sort
1: of practice or? No, it comes very naturally if we don't distract ourselves. We're killing ourselves intentionally or by by encouraging pornography, masturbation, Various positions, sexual positions, where the man becomes the receiver rather than the giver. You're killing yourself. Don't do that. Don't look for things that will make you feel sexual. Let it come from within you, the way it comes naturally. And what makes you feel sexually aroused? Someone needs you that stimulates the masculine response. And the response can be sexual or it can be, I'll go to war for you, I'll protect you, I'll, I'll put my body in front of yours and take the bullet for you, or I'll go out and work and I'll feed you. And in whatever way, the woman's need inspires the male. If you're not inspired by a woman, you're being passive. Now, there are other needs that exist that a man can be moved by. The community's need. You get up and do what needs to, to be done. King Solomon said, where there are no men, try to be the man. When no one is taking responsibility, step in and take responsibility, because there's a need. Men respond to needs, not their own needs. So a husband who says, I give my wife everything, why is she unhappy? Because you give her everything she does not need. The one thing she needs, you don't give her. That's not called giving. Like a teacher comes into a classroom and gives a lecture on a subject that none of the students really care about at all. It's not relevant to them. They don't need to know this. But it's his expertise. So he comes in and gives you a lecture about 14th century France. And then you want to know why students are not motivated to learn. I gave a very good lecture. To whom? You don't care. You don't care whether your listener needs to hear it, wants to hear it, will benefit from hearing it. You don't care. So that kind of a professor, that kind of a teacher, is not really a giver. He's a user. He uses the students to make a living, or to hear himself talk, or make himself famous with his philosophy, Using people is abuse. You want to have a sexual relationship with a woman because you want the pleasure? You're abusive. And it could be your wife that you're being abusive to. So don't quote me on this, and I will deny saying it. But every man, husband, needs to be a little bit of a father to his wife. You know, a little protective, take full responsibility for her failures, like a father would, because in in fact, you are replacing her father. So now she's fatherless. You gotta you gotta To some slight degree, you have to fill that role. So a husband can never say, hey, I did my part. The rest is your job, not my my problem. Never, never, never. If a wife has a hard time being a wife, the husband should take responsibility for finding the solution. And not resent it. That's what I'm here for. To make your life easier. So if your life is hard, oh, that's what I'm here for. Talk to me. Men are very quick to give up their responsibilities if somebody else will take it. So if she says, uh, I'll work hard and support the family, She's not going to get an argument from a man. Oh yeah, sure. You do it. Fine. I'll sit and drink beer. And then you wonder what happened to your masculinity.
0: What's the father's role in all of this? The man being the father.
1: Uh, A father never, uh, never expects his daughter to support him. He expects his daughter to lean on him. Not that he could lean on his daughter. A husband should never expect to lean on his wife. Oh, but she's so much stronger than me. She's more capable than me. Okay, so you're becoming the wife. And you're not letting her be the wife. So, you're messing up everybody. It's so it's so universal, this thing. and And it's not as simple as it sounds. Every woman wants to marry a guy bigger than her, physically. Taller, bigger, stronger. Why? It's not like in the olden days you need him to hunt and kill the tigers and the, and the lions, or the dragons. It's not for physical protection. A woman wants to look up to her husband. A woman wants to admire her husband and know that she can lean on him when she needs to. If he starts to lean on her, you're making her crazy. You're confusing her. I was talking to a group of very powerful, wealthy, professional women And I said, uh, I got to say something, which I know is going to, is going to trigger a wife has to surrender to her husband. And they said, yes, we want that. We just can't find a man to do it with. Men today surrender to their wives. It's like parents today are terrified by their children, <laughs> of their children, complete reversal of roles. So, take the responsibility. If your wife is better at something, empower her, delegate it to her, but it's you who are responsible woman wants to go to work and help support the family, beautiful. Anytime she wants to quit, she can, and it's your responsibility. So she can pinch hit for you, she can volunteer, but you never leave the burden on her. It's always the buck stops with you, not with her. we've lost respect for women in the respect that we should have. If a woman makes more money than her husband, why is he intimidated? Why isn't he just thankful? Because he thinks making money is masculine. If she makes more money, he's emasculated. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't hold it over him, but he, he he's convinced that he's no longer the man in the family. Which is really not true, because making money is not masculine. And it's certainly not feminine. It's money. So if you make a lot of money, does that make you more of a man? No, it just makes you rich. So if a woman can make the same amount of money, does it make her more of a woman? No, it just makes her rich. So you need not be emasculated by the fact that your wife makes more money, or that she reads more books, or she's more talented, or she's more socially adept, and, she, and, and you're uncomfortable among around people. That, that doesn't emasculate you what emasculates you is she takes responsibility. If it's starting to look like she doesn't really need you, that's emasculating. And men get emasculated so easily. Mm -hmm. One sharp comment from a wife, and and the man is emasculated for 40 years. We're very sensitive. If he chooses to be. Because we are so sensitive, we have to be careful as to what we consider important, appropriate, necessary. So if a man thinks money is a sign of a man, Well then, if his wife makes $10 more than him, he's emasculated. That was not necessary. Money shouldn't do that. So, if a man wants to have a healthy sexual life, don't look to be stimulated. You're the one who stimulates and you are stimulated by the the thought that you could give, not by the thought that you might get. So when a man is being, is having sex with his wife or with a woman, and he's thinking, I'm not enjoying this, I need more pleasure, I need more this, I need more that, you're not a man. You're there to give pleasure. Stop taking. It's not nice. And if you're not excited to give pleasure, then don't go there. Don't settle for passive pleasure. It's going to kill you. So, men who masturbate are better sexually, no, they're weaker. Men who look at pornography become emasculated. It's a fact. Emasculated means they'll get into bed with a woman and wait for something to stimulate them, like in front of a screen. It's devastating to the male instinct, not ego. It's much more crucial, much deeper than ego.
0: Are you, uh, are you optimistic about where this is all going at the moment? Or are you becoming increasingly
1: concerned? Well, both at the same time. If it continues going this way, it's really, really bad news. Because this is how a society becomes extinct. The men become feminized, then they become homosexualized, then they become completely confused about their gender and about their sexuality. In the meantime, no children are born, And you disappear off the face of the earth. That's what happened to the Romans. That's what happened to the Greeks. That's what happened to the Babylonians. They became extinct. Nobody killed them. They killed themselves by losing their masculinity. So if things go this way, we're finished. We're doomed. On the other hand, I'm very optimistic that it can't continue this way. You can fool Mother Nature some of the time, you can't fool her all the time. To borrow a phrase, can't go on like this. There's got to be, the pendulum's got to swing back the other way. And then we have to be careful that we don't go to the opposite extreme. Where we're men just, think they own women.
0: You see this happening? Ah.
1: In trying to cover up for our for our emasculating dysfunction, we try to become violent to prove that we're tough. Mm-hmm. But you're not convincing anybody. See, in the, in the Torah, in the Bible, Adam and Eve eat from the tree of knowledge and they are cursed, so to speak. The curse for the woman is, you will yearn for your husband. Why is that a curse? Well, it puts you on a, on, a, on a weaker position You become dependent if you yearn for your husband you're dependent that's the curse however the fact that a woman yearns for a husband is why any man would want to get married and have a wife so when men discover that women yearn for a husband they run around looking for a wife not the other way the wife doesn't have to do anything her hunger attracts men so feminine allure doesn't mean run around naked that kills the attraction it's almost like men want to see women naked but then they don't want to have relations with them. You're just a vision. I don't want to get entangled with you. I don't want to hear your opinion on things. I just want you to look cute. So it kills the relationship. And that's why nudists don't have much sex. People think, a nudist, oh, they're having sex all the time. No, they're not. And sadly, no one is having sex, it's, it's dying. Couples are intimate maybe once a month, once a month. They're tired, they just want to sleep. They have no energy for romance and for, so sex has lost its appeal, unless it's a little kinky. You give me a little vi- a little variety on the subject, you know. Like, That's just regular sex, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: But and in- uh, int- intimacy doesn't always mean sex as well.
1: Yeah, and sex is not always intimate, mm. which is very sad. Mm. Sex used to be the ultimate intimacy. Now it's just a performance. And once it becomes a performance, you get emasculated so quickly, uh, you didn't perform as well as the other guy.
0: It also becomes a, a distraction or a way to express some internal rage or difficulties that the man may be having it's again as you go back to what you said earlier using abusing the woman
1: we're just greedy hmm. i'm greedy for pleasure so i'll take your food and i'll take your body and run at giving i'm taking not violent but that's what i'm doing So, if sex becomes your objective, you want to have sex with your wife. So you want to have sex. you don't really want her like the in the olden days, you know all the songs were like a little more modest than they are today. so, I just want to be with you, uh, spend the night with you. It all sounded so romantic. All it meant was I want sex. Be mine. I will be yours forever. Be mine means let me have some sex. But what about really being mine? That's awesome. So it used to be that if you had sex with someone, you were permanently bonded to that person. But in the 60s, we all decided to stop with that kind No, no, no. Recreational sex, free love. Don't take every, Don't make it so serious. So what happened was that sex stopped being intimate. Which means... I'm having sex with you, but it's not about you. I barely know your name. I don't care. You give good sex. That's abuse. And love is not free as well. Some guy wrote a book, I forget, but he says, free love? There's no such thing. It's never free. Safe sex? There's no such thing. If it's safe, it's not sex. (laughs) So sex has become a simple pornographic activity. Totally impersonal. I don't need to know your name. I don't need to see your face. In fact, I'd rather not turn around and we'll have sex backwards. Um... We really have brought pornography into the home. Having sex with the lights on, it's pornography. The only reason you need lights is for the camera. Intimacy is much better in the dark. So I suggested this to a very, very... um, what should we say sexually liberated and and rather vulgar woman who has her own talk show on television and we're talking about the difference between sex and intimacy and she says so so what does intimacy look like I say well the first thing is no lights In the dark. Second thing is no music, no sounds. And the third thing is no talking. She got really excited. She says, oh, wow, wow. Hear nothing, see nothing, say nothing. Where does your mind go? To the person you're with. Now that's intimacy. But if you see something, it's not intimate anymore. Like even seeing each other. What does the eye see? The eye doesn't see intimacy. The eye sees something. So you're being intimate with your wife and you notice that she's got this uh, hair growing out of her nose. That's it. You've killed the intimacy. Or you notice that her eyebrows are really, really perfect. That's nice. You killed the intimacy. So although intimacy has to be face-to-face. I mean, how intimate is to talk to somebody from behind their back? So intimacy has to be face-to-face, but you don't have to see each other. Facing each other is intimate. Seeing each other is not. So the more we see, the less intimate we're going to be. What about eye contact though? Not during intimacy. Why not? Because the eyes only see the object. Eyes don't see the person. You stare at somebody, you'll never get to know them. Hmm. You'll know something about them. That's not intimate. If I, if I love you because of your money, it's not intimate. Because the money is what I'm really f- focused on. Even if I'm deeply moved by your beauty. Beauty is not sexual and beauty is not intimate. And sometimes you're so beautiful, I, I can't touch you. Beauty and intimacy are two different things. So if I'm conscious of your beauty, I'm not feeling intimate. Maybe I'm even intimidated. You're so perfect. Like you have this perfectly decorated cake. You hesitate eating it. Because you're going to ruin the beauty. So beauty and sexuality really should not be confused. You see a beautiful woman, you have to have sex with her? What's the connection? You see something beautiful, you want to look at it. I mean, what what do you do when you see a beautiful sunset? Take it home? Mm -hmm. So beauty thrives in the light. Intimacy thrives in the dark. So if a couple want to get the intimacy back, turn off the light, turn off the sound. Don't allow any distraction from each other. Don't make love your objective. Don't make sex your objective. Your only objective is to be with her. And that will always feel good. It's not a performance. You well, don't the, get obje- re- the
0: objective of well, the to give pleasure though.
1: The pleasure of being with each other, not the pleasure of some secret uh, sexual toy. That's so, that's horrific. Some of the experts actually encourage men to fantasize about other women while they're with their wives. If that's not the beginning of the end, I don't know what is. You think the woman doesn't know the difference? You're not fooling anybody. If you're not there with her, she'll know it. And if you're fantasizing about some other woman, you're not there with her. And she'll hate you for it. you're using her. So the return to intimacy means you need her in your life. You don't need her services. Like this painful example of um, Christopher Reeves, For many, yeah, for many years, he was totally useless to his wife. Paralyzed from his neck down, totally useless. And yet when he died, she was hysterical. And if you were to ask her, what are you carrying on about? What are you so upset about? You lost him a long time ago. For 10 years, he's been useless. He's done nothing for you. What are you grieving? Naturally, she would say, I had him. Now I don't have him. Yeah, well, what did he do for you? He doesn't have to do anything. He has to be here with me. That's intimacy. So he was here with me. No, he's not. He's gone. Did he take the garbage out? I don't need him to take out the garbage. I don't need him to have sex. I need him and him is what I just lost. You get married because you need her. If you don't need her, then you're just using her.
0: So you strongly argue against this point that gets thrown around an awful lot that you shouldn't need the woman. You should want the woman.
1: You shouldn't need or want anything from her which is tricky because you're going to get a lot. She's going to give you everything, but don't get distracted. Don't think that that's a marriage. So the two things that are killing marriages, shockingly, the two things that are killing marriages is love and sex. If you really want love, go back to your mother. You're not mature enough to be married. A baby needs love. You're grown up. You don't need love. You need your husband. And one of the ways of having him is if he gives you his love. But what you're getting is him through his love. But you're not looking for love. And it becomes very clear when you think, I married you for love and you don't love me. So what do I do? I find love with the secretary. She loves me. If the objective is love, you will go wherever the love is available. So if you know that your husband married you for love you you can't ever relax cuz there are a lot of secretaries out there and he's looking for love any woman who says I love you that's it they got him selfish how does how can we arrange a lifestyle where a man can come home to his wife and say my secretary got me out of such a big mess. I had double booked and I was committed. She she smoothed it all out. She worked it all out. It's perfect. I love her. And the wife is not threatened at all. He just said, I love my secretary. And the wife said, oh, that's so good. You're not threatened. She's not threatened because he's not looking for love He's looking for a wife, and she's the wife. So you can love your secretary all you want. Not threatening me. So love is actually destroying marriages. Because the whole marriage is based on one huge condition. I'll be married to you if you love me. If you don't love me, we're not married. That's not a marriage. That's not a commitment. That's not a bond. That could be at best a mutually advantageous arrangement. It's not a marriage. Same is true with sex. If you're looking for sex, why'd you get married? Have all the sex you want. Why are you getting married? So people think marriage means a commitment to have sex with someone you love. Well, You don't need to have a commitment for that. That comes very naturally, right? Sex and and love are something that you either do or don't do, feel or don't feel. What about her? She feels alone in the world because nobody needs her. They just need her love and her body. So we are a very lonely generation. We feel so alone because there's no intimate relationship. So downward love and bring in the intimacy. Yes. Incredible. So if people want to test this thing out, turn the lights off. Just a simple thing like that. Never, never get intimate with the lights on. See what it does. Mm-hmm. Rabbi,
0: this has been incredible. And thank you for your time and energy and for your mission here. Uh, it's so impactful. And. I, of course, will continue to follow you. Can you let all of the members of this audience, let us all know where we can find you and where they can follow you and your good work to help them out and uh,
1: continue their progress? Well, if you go on YouTube, you can probably find me. But if you want to find my address or my where I live, <laughs> I live it's good to know.org it's its, it's good to know.org all my, last, uh, my my lectures all my classes all my everything is there brilliant
0: thank you for putting it there as well don't think there's ever been such an important
1: time for your message I joke about it saying I we are saving the world one bedroom at a time
0: yeah it's a fact mm-hmm. well thank you my man
1: thank you for the opportunity
0: till next time